You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So uh, this, this weekend, right, is, if you didn't know, this weekend, we're, we're, we're trying something new. Uh, we tried Ugly Christmas sweater weekend. And I see that, that some of you, last weekend was a little crazy, and so we didn't do a, uh, maybe a great job reminding all of you. But, but even if you, oh man, now it's blinking at me. Wow. All right. Uh, whether you remembered and you were like, yes, I'm all in, or whether you remembered and you're like, uh-uh, not doing it. Uh, or whether you forgot, or whether you wore a normal sweater and someone complimented you on your ugly sweater day, whatever it is, right, uh, there's, there's a couple reasons that we, we, we chose this weekend for that. One is that in, in the season of Advent, this is the week of joy, right? The Advent candle, we, we light different candles each week, uh, and, and each week there's a different theme, right? The first week is hope and peace and joy and love, and that fourth, that fifth candle, that white one in the middle, that is, that's the the Jesus candle, the Christ candle, that, that we get to light on Christmas as we celebrate the birth, the incarnation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so for me, wearing ugly Christmas sweaters brings me joy, right? Seeing you in your ugly Christmas sweaters brings me joy, right? Now, these ugly Christmas sweaters probably had some sort of accidental origin, right? How many of you, and maybe there aren't many of you, but how many of you can remember a time when you opened up a Christmas present and your mom or your grandma or your aunt had hand-knitted you the ugliest thing in the world that you had to pretend to like, right? You don't raise your hand, right? But, but right, that's kind of how they started was handmade sweaters that, that didn't look beautiful, but they were beautiful to the person that made them and hopefully beautiful to the person that got them. But then as as we get into the 1980s, um, there was a show called The Cosby Show where Cliff Huxtable would wear, like these are some of his sweaters that he would wear routinely. And they were just plain ugly. But they were fun, right? And people started to to kind of enjoy these. And, And then for the ugly Christmas sweater tradition, we can probably give thanks to a couple guys in the early 2000s in Vancouver who started ugly sweater parties. And and those started to become more popular to the point where then they came into the U.S. and now there's a national holiday, right? The National Ugly Sweater Day, which was on Friday this past week. Um, And so it's always the third Friday in December. So now you can celebrate every year on the third Friday of December. Put these bad boys back on, right? Don't get rid of them. I don't want to see any of these at Goodwill next week, right? Right? But, but to me, these bring me joy. And actually, probably joy is not probably the right word, right? Because joy is something that's longer than this. It just makes me smile, and it makes me happy, right? But there's, there's other reasons. There's not, this is not the only reason that we chose to, to, to have you wear ugly sweaters this week. But they also remind us that in this world, there is a lot of ugliness, Right, I mentioned to you earlier today, just physically, like, like seeing my dad decline, 
the way that he has in the last year, but then also that, that hope that we had with new lungs, and also, but seeing the struggle, like I got to be with him yesterday, and he was, there was so much carbon dioxide in his bloodstream that he was basically asleep the whole time, and they're working to slowly get those numbers down, right? But that, that was not fun for a lot of it. And then finally for me, getting to a point where I felt like I was finally back to normal from my hip surgery last year to then hear, oh, by the way, here comes another one, right? But it's not always just physical, right? Phineas, the comfort dog, just got back from UNLV, uh, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and spent a week there trying to bring comfort to people whose lives had been changed by the actions of others, right? And so there's, there's ugliness in this world. And then we just see it kind of in daily interactions, like every time I am scrolling through Facebook and a Fremont, Nebraska discussion page post comes up, there, there can be a lot of ugliness in the midst of those. The way that people talk to each other or the stuff that they bring up in those conversations, right? There's just, there can be a lot of ugliness around us. But it's also not just out there, right? right there's, I know that there's ugliness in my life. Because sin is ugly. And so today I want you to do something. I want you to look around and look at what people are wearing. Not just the ugly Christmas, but just look around, take, take 15 seconds, and just see what people are wearing. By the way, if you're wearing an ugly Christmas sweater after the service, I just want a big picture of our, of our family with these awful things, beautiful things on, right? But, right, so as you look around and you see, I'm going to use kind of categories of what you're wearing today to describe our sinful condition. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that what you're wearing today is the sinful type of person you are, because honestly, we're all of them, right? But some of us are proudly displaying ugliness, and it actually brings us a little bit of joy and happiness to proudly display our ugliness around us. But how often do we proudly display our ugliness to those around us? Where we do things that we know is going to hurt them and we don't care. Or we, we, we do things that, that we know God tells us not to do, but we just do them anyway. And we actually kind of find some joy in that. Or Again, like maybe some of you wore a sweater today because it was, it's kind of winter and so you wanted to wear something a little bit warmer and somebody complimented you on your ugly Christmas sweater. I did it with, I did it with Casey last week, right? He, he had, I like his sweater. I liked the sweater that he was wearing last week, but, but I just, I, I gave him a backhanded compliment about his wearing his ugly Christmas sweater a week early, right? But how often in our lives do we go on living what we think is a good, God-pleasing life, and we can't even see our own sin. But there's others around us that can see it. Or maybe today uh, you came in or wearing something casual, wearing something comfortable, because you're going to be sitting here for a whole hour. I, I want to be comfortable. And again, how often in our lives do we just do what's comfortable? Like, we know that neighbor, and again, Jesus, when he says neighbor, he's not talking about the person that lived next to you, but the person in need, right? And that person in need that you go past, you're like, that's eh, going to take time out of my, I'll be, I'll be late for work if I stop and help them. Or, I know they need Jesus, but that might make me uncomfortable. 
And so if I start to tell them about Jesus, I, I don't want to do that. I just want to stay in my little comfort box. Or just, and then also some of us wore our Sunday best today. Right? Which I think we do at times in our lives as well as we, we put on our Sunday best and put on a good face hoping to cover up the ugliness underneath. But then as you think about all that, that sounds pretty hopeless, doesn't it? Right? Is, there, is there nothing that I can do to make myself presentable to God? And whether I'm wearing an ugly sweater or a, a nice sweater that some people think is ugly or, or I'm, I'm comfortable or I'm wearing my Sunday best, right? am I stuck in my ugliness whether or not others can see it? Well, the prophet Isaiah wants to give you hope. Right, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, he says, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And, and another way that you can read that last phrase looking at the Hebrew is instead of opening the prison to those who are bound, uh, opening the eyes of those who are blind. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, to the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. And so, as with lots of prophecies, as with almost all the prophecies, the, that being prophesied, Isaiah's going to do that for the people of Israel. He's going to bring them that good news but that prophecy is also looking further into the future to someone else who will do that for his people, right? For Jesus, who will, who will be born uh, a humble birth, maybe even an ugly birth, to do that for the people of that time and for you and me today. And then a little bit later, we continue in that same text from Isaiah 61 where it says, I will re greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And I want us to see that last phrase, right? That God has covered me, has covered you with the robe of righteousness. So what is it then that I can wear if we're using our clothes as an analogy for it. What is it that I can wear to be presentable to God? Jesus puts on you the robes of righteousness that cover all of your sins. I get to wear this every Sunday at 8 a.m., some of you are like, what are you doing, pastor? This is called an alb, or more informally, pastor's white dress. This is a symbol of the robes of righteousness that cover all of our sins. Every time I get to lead a funeral, we start with the opening hymn or opening song, we, we continue with the invocation. 
And then we get to do a reading that is my favorite thing to do, other than preach about Jesus, but my favorite thing to do at every funeral. And it goes like this, right? And I'll use my name. Um, in holy baptism, Anthony was clothed in the robes of Christ's righteousness that covered all of his sin. St. Paul says, do you not know that those of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And that we were buried, therefore, with baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. There are a number of ways that Jesus clothes you in his robes of righteousness. Right now, as you hear his word, the Spirit works in you to clothe you in his righteousness, but this is why I love talking about baptism. Because in baptism, you are clothed in white robes. You're clothed in Christ's righteousness that covers all of your sin. But I want to be clear in this, right? Right now, I just put a robe over my ugly sweater. Right? As you are clothed in the robes of Christ's righteousness, that's not an excuse to say, well, then I can do whatever I want. I can wear whatever I want under the robes of righteousness because he's going to cover me in his robes. It's not an excuse. Right? Jesus tells us what our, lives should be, what our lives should look like after we have been clothed in his righteousness. The Apostle Paul tells us a lot about what our lives should look like after being clothed in the robes of Christ's righteousness. One of the places he does that is in 1 Thessalonians 5, where he says, rejoice always. This is what it looks like for someone who has been clothed in in the righteousness of Jesus, someone who rejoices always, who prays without ceasing, who gives thanks in all circumstances. Why? Not because I said to, but this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, right? This is good and pleasing and perfect will. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies or preaching of God's word, but test everything and hold fast to what is good and then abstain from every form of evil. And so as you are clothed in the robes of Christ's righteousness, it's not an excuse to go do whatever you want, but it's an even when. Even when my life looks ugly. Even when... I do something that I know God doesn't want me to do, and I do it anyway. Even when I do things that I don't even recognize are sinful until someone points it out to me later. Even when I would rather be comfortable than than do the things that God has called me to do. Even when I try and put on this facade that everything's perfect even though I know of the ugliness inside me. Even when... Jesus still comes to me and covers me in his robes of righteousness. Even then, he tells me, your sins are forgiven. And he will do that for you, and he does that for you. And he does that over and over and over again until that last day. When God's saints will be gathered around his throne, dressed in white robes. John tells us, gives us a vision of this in Revelation Revelation 7 where he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, 
with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Right? These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Right? It's, it's the blood of Jesus that washes us clean. And they shall hunger no more neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The season of Advent is a season of preparation. We get to prepare for the birth, for the celebration of the birth of Jesus. We get to prepare by singing songs and and, and telling others, we get to prepare by, by doing things in our home to point us to Jesus, right? We get to prepare to celebrate His birth in, in, in eight days. But also during the season of Advent, we get to prepare for that final day when Jesus will return, that final day when He will come to us and, and take off our ugly clothes and put on robes of righteousness, robes that no longer simply cover our ugliness, but robes that remind us of who we are. Because in that day, we will be His perfect, sinless creation, gathered around His throne, celebrating with Him at the throne of the Lamb, knowing that we will have perfect relationship with Jesus, perfect relationship with all those who have faith in Jesus, and it will be perfect and white and pristine for all eternity. And so even today in the midst of the ugliness of our world, you can have joy, joy that lasts forever knowing that Jesus has washed you clean and that every time you sin, Jesus will wash you clean again as you come to Him asking for forgiveness. Also, we can have joy looking forward to that last day when He will wipe us completely clean and make us new creatures for all eternity. So even in the midst of our ugliness, there is joy. Amen? Amen. Amen.